Hello, Scott here. Before we begin, I just want to let you know that for this episode, my voice sounds a little different. I'm at a conference call quality. Everything else is normal, and if this is your first time listening to the show, don't worry, it's just for this episode. All right, hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator. Joining me is someone who can count toothpicks, Lily. Why, hello. (laughs) And joining us is a longtime honorary belcher, Sean. That is very true. I'm actually a uh, five-time champion (laughs) in uh, Cape Cod. I must have missed the competition. I mean... It's not very well publicized. (laughs) Well, this week, we watched the first episode of the great animated show Bob's Burgers, entitled Human Flesh. It aired January 9th, 2011 on Fox. And Bob's Burgers basically is the story of a family that works together at their small restaurant, of which they live above, and it's located on the very popular Ocean Avenue in an unnamed seaside city. It is rumored, though, that they live somewhere in New Jersey, and that was actually shown in the episode It Snakes a Village. I would, yeah, I was guessing it would be like an Atlantic City type of, you know, somewhere in the seashore in, in New Jersey. Yeah, they call it Wonder Wharf. And I, I guess within the creators of the shows, like inside terminology, they, they refer to it as Seymour Bay. Hmm, okay. But it's never been established on the show. Are so. the creators of the show from New Jersey? I didn't look that up. No, I, I, con- you know, relationship to New Jersey at all? Not, not that I'm aware of. I, I, I don't think so. Okay. Sometimes you nope. see that with somebody who's, you know, creates a show and they're from where it's set. So. Yeah. So going into this viewing, what was your experience with uh, Bob's Burgers? I think we should start with Sean because he's never really seen this show before. Yeah. Um. Basically, my experience with Bob's Burgers is I had none. I was aware of his ex- if. It- I was aware of its existence. It's on Fox, right? Typically. Yep. Okay. Um, I saw it, you know, advertised on Netflix. I I never saw it because I think I thought the animation looked chintzy to me. From just I I didn't even see any of the animation, but the art looked kind of weird on the uh, posters and you know whatever I saw for it. So I never saw it before before this episode. I love this show. I have seen the first four seasons multiple times and just finished watching the fifth season on Hulu. I love the show. I do too. I've been watching it from the very beginning. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to give too much away about my review of the show, but I could tell you I laughed numerous, numerous times <laughs> during this episode. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and of course, as we go through, we'll talk about more, but um, very, very funny. It's going to be on my list of shows to watch now on my Netflix to watch list. I think it's notable to say that this is not a show for kids. Um, it's more of an adult cartoon. Is that older fair? Kids. Older, older kid. kids. Yeah, older yeah. kids. Yeah. Not your, you know, five-year-old. No, okay? no, no. This is beyond even Simpsons crude humor level. Beyond, I think, Family Guy, believe it or not. No, uh, no, no. No, I don't agree with that. Not okay, a... well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't show it to my kids just because they're they're younger, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it, it was very, very funny. <laughs> Going um, back um, and watching this first episode, I realized how the writing has really changed because just finishing the fifth season recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought in this first episode, they really took every opportunity to cram in some sort of joke or pun. Um <laughs> Whereas it's more uh, nuanced, I guess, in the fifth season, which would come with any show lasting several seasons. But yeah, yeah, it takes time to develop the characters, and everyone's kind of feeling out their voice. That's true. Yeah, especially with now again we're watching uh, the first episode of a show. So speaking of voices, I did a little bit of research, and the cast records all their dialogue together for every single episode, but some of them live in New York City while others live in LA. So they actually use an ISDN line to record over, which is kind of like a telephone line. So I thought, hey, it's kind of like our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, we don't 
We're not that sophisticated, but it's true. Yeah, and just to get uh, techno geek here for a second, ISDN lines used to be a more of a data transfer system or protocol, I guess you could say, before you know cable internet or fiber broadband. Um, they were usually for businesses because they were very cost prohibitive, but they became a more of a this kind of usage at ISDN with um, voice stuff. Very good voice quality in ISDN. And it seems like you could record a show like ours or like, you know, Bob's Burgers, obviously. And the the sound is like flawless. Oh, yeah. It's like you're standing right next to the person you're speaking to. So even a lot of radio shows, I know this for a fact that you might seem like it seem like all the hosts are in one um, location. Not ours, of course, but other radio shows. <laughs> and they're really, you know, hundreds of not thousands of miles away, but they can interact like you're in the same room. Yeah, and, and the first time I heard of the ISDN being used was on The Simpsons. A lot of times they would have guests in England and, you know, all places around the world, really. And they all they had to do was go to a booth that had an ISDN connection and they could record their lines. And now I think I think I even heard that Harry Shearer just records all of his lines that way. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> he's been in the news a lot lately because he's kind of holding out on his contract. And it's like when you hear that all he has to do is probably just record from home and send it in i mean come on and i think even don pardo uh in his later years as being the announcer of saturday night live because he lived in arizona and you know he was well into his 90s they didn't have him make the trip to new york he was just able to record that way and early on in the simpsons you could probably hear like oh yeah it kind of sounds a little different in quality but nowadays there's there's no difference yeah crystal clear they could probably do a whole season of voices in, you know, a day. Yeah. Really. Now, just to give you a little background of Bob's Burgers, it was created by a guy named Lauren Bouchard. And I'm a fan of pretty much every show he's been involved with. In the 1990s, he was recruited by a man named Tom Snyder to work on a cartoon from his homemade studio, which was Tom Snyder Studios. And this was the classic Comedy Central cartoon, Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist. And when I say Tom Snyder Studios is homemade, I, I mean it. On the commentary track for Dr. Katz, uh, John Benjamin and Jonathan Katz, they talk about their time recording lines in Tom Snyder's pantry, which was converted into a makeshift recording booth. Hmm. Now, I don't think Lily would have ever seen Dr. Katz, but uh, do you remember seeing it, Sean? Uh, I remember, yeah, seeing parts of episodes. I don't recall ever watching a full episode. Yeah, it, it was a very funny show starring comedian Jonathan Katz as a therapist and his patients were mostly stand-up comedians and their time on the couch ended up being funny like cutaways to their stand-up material and uh, it was a pretty clever use of incorporating a lot of stand-up comedians and you know their jokes into the into the show it's probably best known for its style of animation which they branded as squiggle vision hmm. And basically, there wasn't much movement on the show other than, like, the characters' mouths. Uh, it's kind of like motion comics, like the old motion comics. Yeah, yep. And so to give it that kinetic feel, the lines on the characters quickly vibrated, or squiggled, as it were. Now, on that show, on Dr. Katz, Dr. Katz's son, Ben, was played by H. John Benjamin. And after Dr. Katz, John Benjamin would end up working with Lauren Bouchard and Tom Snyder Studios on a kid's show called Science Court. And that was kind of a, a short run, but another Squiggle Vision cartoon. And the great animated series Home Movies, hmm. which started out as a Squiggle Vision cartoon for season one. And then I guess they became more sophisticated with their technology. They switched to, I think they switched to Flash Animation for the rest of the series, seasons two through four. And I have to say, if you like Bob's Burgers, you have to check out Home Movies. I found out it's currently on Hulu. And once in a while, they will run it on Adult Swim. Not often. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Great, great show. I don't know if any of you have seen Home Movies before. I have, yeah, I have, have not. not. But I'll... <laughs> no, I, I have not seen that before, but definitely worth checking out. Yeah, very, yeah. very funny. And a lot of the character actors that you hear in Bob's Burgers, they were on Home Movies. Sam Cedar, the voice of Hugo, was on that show. Andy Kindler was on that show. Even Jonathan Katz had an appearance a couple of times on that show. And it was basically about a, a kid. Um, he's the son of a single mother. And he likes his home camcorder that he makes movies with his friends. And he 
creates his own stories and they play different parts and but it's a very very funny show and john benjamin plays one of the kids jason as well as coach mcgurk who is just a hilarious character very very funny hmm. so when the news came out in 2010 that there was going to be a new fox animated show about a family i was like oh boy here we go again but <laughs> when i heard it was a lauren bouchard creation starring john benjamin i was just immediately on board i knew it was going to be good from the beginning Definitely a winner. Uh, Fox is really good with their animated series. Um, obviously, they have the, the Simpsons, which has been going on for about three dozen years at this point, which is a new term I've created. Three dozen. Three dozen. Three dozen. <laughs> well, it's existed. It's existed previously, but I'm using it in the uh, you know I'm, it's my new thing. Three dozen years. It okay. means a lot of years. Um, like a handful. <laughs> a handful. More than just a little bit. You know, three dozen. Yeah. You know, Family Guy, obviously, which they canceled about four times and then brought back, and American Dad. So they're really, once they get it right, they know what they're doing with the animated stuff. Except Futurama. Except Futurama. Yeah, they screw up on that one pretty good, but they did (laughs) cancel and bring that back. Oh, did they bring it back? No, they canceled it, and then Comedy Central got it, right? Yeah. I forget the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Yeah, Yeah, Futurama's, I mean, that's a whole other show, as we did before. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's very, you know, they, but they do have an eye for animated shows. They do, and they're willing to to give those type of shows a chance, which is nice, because that's not something you really see on any of the other network television stations. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine it's a little difficult to pitch adult cartoons. Yeah. I've done it before. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that you like this show, Sean, because I, I, I was hoping, I'm sure Lily was hoping that you'd find it funny. Cause oh, yeah. It's such a great show. Cracked me up. And I was surprised you hadn't seen it at this point, because it's now been, you know, what, four seasons, I, five seasons? I was surprised to see that, too. It's one of the ones I, I saw and was aware of, but just never had a chance to watch. And it stars one of my one of my favorite voice actors and actresses in, in general. Can you guess who that is? Is it Kirsten Schaal? Kristen Schaal. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you say when you say actress, it's got to be her because in the main cast, she's the only woman. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a hilarious point too. Yeah. Kristen Shaw. If you don't know, she was in a bunch of shows. She put in a very funny character on Thirty Rock, Hazel. Yes. Uh, near the end of the run of Thirty Rock, but recently she is in The Last Man on Earth, which is another great Fox show. If you haven't seen that one, we have to do a, a podcast on that sometime. Oh yeah. Um, fantastic show so I, I would definitely recommend that it's it finished its first season but i'm sure you could well, watch it on fox now or whatever but very funny lady yeah i like her for stand-up i think and she's almost my age too so i like people who are near my age <laughs> okay. they're my, they're my uh, contemporaries i guess you could say yes so i'm proud of her so for anybody that wants to watch this episode and follow along with us it's available on netflix as well as a DVD release. Now, they only commercially released Season 1. Season 2 is available on DVD, but it's only like on Amazon as a uh, direct-to-disc, kind of like a, a, a DVD-on-demand service that they do. That's very bizarre. Yeah, and it's very expensive. And it's, it's one of those shows, like Simpsons always comes out on DVD. There's so many seasons of it that they keep churning out. But Bob's Burgers, they kind of did one... And then two, they kind of put out, and that was pretty much it, which was kind of strange. Yeah, they'll they'll get it out there, probably waiting for some, you know... Massive Blu-ray box yeah, set or something. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, only the one DVD uh, box set, even if you want to call it that. So that those are where you can find it, and uh, yeah, please watch it, because it, it's such a great show. Yes. Alright, so let's get right into this episode. We start with the opening theme, along with the Belcher family. They then appear in front of their restaurant, the titular Bob's Burgers. And we then see their building situated between the It's Your Funeral, Funeral Home and Crematorium. That's a mainstay on the show. That's the business owned by Mort the Mortician. And do you know the story behind Mort's name? Other than he's a mortician? Well, yes, but Mort also means death in French. Ah, Oui, oui. Merci, merci. <laughs> Do you think they looked that deep into it when they created that? I think it's, it's maybe a, I don't a know. happy coincidence. Yes. Yeah, I do. So? I do. All of these, all these Lauren Bouchard shows, even like home movies and everything, as simple as the animation is, it's stocked with little details. Oh, okay. 
I yeah, thought it was the, just because he was a mortician, you know. Not from that. the writers to the art department, everybody sneaks in little jokes, and I can't imagine that something like that would be a coincidence. They're very, very clever. They're also in, next to a business called PFETA. It's the orange building on the right. And you'll notice as you watch that that changes every episode into some other funny sign. So it's di- different businesses every episode. Yeah, pretty much what the Simpsons have is a couch gag they have in their side business there. That's funny. This- My favorite one um, is the attempted crepe French cooking school. I like that. <laughs> now, is it just like a couch gag thing, or does it ever come into play in the episodes? Not seeing, you know, more than this episode so far. Like, does that business ever come into a plot of an episode? I'm not sure. I want to say maybe, but I can't remember. I don't think so. So it's more like a couch gag thing where it just changes in the credits. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So we see, it kind of gives us a little backstory. We see that Bob's Burgers suffers a number of disasters. This is all in the opening sequence. And they're being forced to repeat their grand opening over and over and over again until they finally have their grand re-re-reopening. And that brings us right into the beginning of the show. We open with Bob Belcher. He's voiced by the great H. John Benjamin. And he's giving his family a pep talk before their big Labor Day weekend grand re-re-reopening. And he mentions that this is the crucial day that makes or breaks their business every year. And he's interrupted by his wife Linda, voiced by John Roberts, as well as some fart sounds coming from the loudspeaker of his son Gene, voiced by stand-up comedian Eugene Merman. And he's dressed up as a burger, and uh, he's ready to draw a crowd. I gotta tell you, the voice of Linda was the first thing that cracked me up. <laughs> it's so obviously a guy that it's just really, really funny. And I guess, I, supposedly, that's a character that he had done, and they found him because of a recommendation that they check out his YouTube videos. Really? Yeah, and Lauren Bouchard was looking at these videos and, you know, found it very funny, and he was doing that voice, and I, I think it's a character based on his mother that, it is, that yes. he was doing. So, yeah, that's how they got... Uh, to notice him, and that's how he got to be on the show. It's kind of neat. Yeah. That's awesome. So Bob and Linda head downstairs to grind the meat after assigning the kids to their tasks. Tina, their oldest daughter, again, this is not voiced by a woman. This is voiced by stand-up comedian (laughs) Dan Mintz, who's very funny. Oh, he's hilarious. And he's stationed at the grill, even though she has some sort of rash. That was kind of... That is the second thing that made me crack up. <laughs> the whole crotch is itchy line is this. Yeah. And the fact Are that... Are you telling me that's my daughter or my grill cook? <laughs> <laughs> very, very funny. I mean, that just... I started cracking up. Almost wet myself. Full disclosure. <laughs> You'll see throughout the series that Bob really has no patience for this type of stuff. He does not want to hear it. Like, talk to your mother. Talk to your mother. <laughs> He's like, oh my god. Or he's, uh, th- that was f- a very funny part of the episode, too. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> we also see Louise, voiced here by, as mentioned, Kristen Schaal. And she plays their youngest daughter, who always wears her bunny ears. And she's given counter duty with the strict instructions not to alter the chalkboard. Every episode features a different burger of the day on the chalkboard with a humorous pun. And uh, this time, for this episode, it's New Baconings. And it, it's a burger that comes with bacon, $5.95. Bob was very so, uh, very happy with his, his choice of puns here. Yeah. Didn't impress anybody else, but... <laughs> I think they're great. I laugh at them every time. Yeah, but... <laughs> they change every episode, too. Yeah, there's a lot of things that... a lot, Like I said, a lot of detail work in this show. So, I figured I would ask you guys my interesting question for this episode. If you had to create a pun burger, what would you name your burger i'm guessing you want me to go now <laughs> yes so, so bad <laughs> well I, you guys have been waiting for this haven't you well lily yes. told us lily told us ahead of time that this would be the question that she was going to ask us usually she kind of springs it on us but this is a kind of question that requires a little bit of thought it's hard yeah. to come up with a, a complicated thing like this and on the spot. We're in the same same wavelength too with this because I had the same question. If we're gonna ask any question in this episode, this is it. What would be? Oh yeah. And I came up with a pun name, but I came up with some burger names. Like you know, they have those all the time. People's burgers or sandwiches named after people or whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. 2015 Boston Red Sox burger. Oh boy. Which is basically <laughs> um, for buns. It's actually asbestos tile <laughs> with a cow patty in between. 
Oh, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I wouldn't order it, but it sounds pretty accurate. Yep. There you go. Very nice. You want me to go next? You you go next. I'll go last. I started with a simple one. It's a bacon cheeseburger with just a beef patty, cheese, and ketchup. But the bacon actually comes with the check in a doggy bag. And that's the bringing home the bacon burger. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, then I then I get a little more complicated here. This one's in honor of Mad Men going off the air this year. It's a hamburger topped with a slice of ham and Dijon mustard. Dijon hamburger. I don't get it. In honor of John Ham, it's Dijon hamburger. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mind. one. I like that. <laughs> never mind. It's because I never like seen Mad Men. That's why. I don't Is he know. a character in Mad Men? He's a he's the the main actor. I've made a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, I have the George Lucas burger. And that is a ground beef patty topped with American cheese, ketchup, lettuce, and tomatoes. But in the middle of you enjoying it, the waiter comes in and he swaps out the beef patty for lettuce. And then he adds onions and pickles. Then he comes back and adds mustard and relish and banana peppers and ranch dressing and marshmallows, potato chips, and Skittles. Dirt. And, uh, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to top it off, the napkin is a piece of green screen. <laughs> With a cow patty on top. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> wow. Alright, mine is not as good as either of yours. <clears throat> oh, I don't know about that. It's it's pretty dumb. Mine is the orange you glad I didn't say banana burger. And it's a hamburger with a citrus chutney because i was like wow a banana burger would be awful and that was the only <laughs> pun i could think of <laughs> that's good that's good here we go with the gluten-free stuff again what there are buns it's a regular burger no no she doesn't have to eat it she's just serving it well you can't touch it if you're gluten i heard read that somewhere yeah it's like garlic and i'm a yeah, vampire right. i'll shrivel up it. and die <laughs> yep you have gluten will transfer through your skin don't you didn't you read that article you can't touch bread ever again <laughs> It's like I'll be like the Wicked Witch of the West and melt. That's right. <laughs> I'm glutening. <laughs> so those were excellent. Yeah, very, very nice. So one of the, my favorite lines in this episode, um, I, I dub it my favorite line of the evening, was when Bob says something to the effect of, children, I love you all, but you're all terrible at what you do. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had that thought myself. <laughs> Oh my god. They <laughs> uh, yeah, listen to the show, it's okay. Plus they're all young. Yeah, yeah. But they haven't done anything yet. You Sean will not give them grill duty anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so I think that's fair. So back to the episode now. Gene is sent out in his burger suit to give out free samples, and he's given strict instructions not to bother any of the grieving people leaving the crematorium next door. So after a lackadaisical rally cry of, let's sell some burgers, the family splits up to man their station. Now, Lauren Bouchard mentioned that some viewers were upset, you know, by, so far in the episode by the early crotch joke, as well as the theme of cannibalism. But in fact, this whole episode is actually a reference to the fact that the series was originally conceived as a story about a family of cannibals. Huh. That's how they pitched the show. They wanted, the, when they pitched it to Fox, this was going to be a show about a family of cannibals. That was going to be the hook. I can kind of tell to... how that, why they didn't go over too well, but... Yeah, fortunately, Fox uh, said, uh, you sure about that? Well, is that way? <laughs> and just as another side note, Tina in the original demo pilot was a boy yeah. named Dan, also voiced by Dan Mintz, although very different appearance-wise. Was that supposed to be a comedy, that cartoon about cannibalism? The one, like, the original incarnation of the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it, but that was just going to be, instead of the hook of the show or the theme of the show being just a family working at a restaurant, it was going to be a theme of family that's a family of cannibals. Which happens, you know? Yeah, I guess so. But just going back to, to uh, what Lily said... Yeah, Dan Mintz was going to play a boy. Tina was supposed to be uh, an older, the oldest boy, 
And Fox said no because they thought that the Tina, or I shouldn't say Tina, the Dan character was too close to the Gene character. Which, as you watch the show, you realize, no, that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes. (laughs) But Tina is such a great character, I'm glad things worked out the way they did. And either way, I think it would have worked out well. Oh, yeah. Tina is the only character to have her middle name revealed in the episode as well. And it is Ruth. Oh, really? Ruth Belcher, yes. So we cut to the exterior of the building where a family in mourning walks by Gene. And Gene confronts them with a robot voice and a fart sound. But the elderly woman flips his tray of sliders over and continues walking. So that we then cut to the basement where Bob and Linda are making ground beef. And Bob is kind of nervous, you can see, about leaving the kids unattended upstairs. But Linda's more concerned with Bob remembering their wedding date. And after Linda starts to get angrier and angrier and begins turning the crank faster and faster, Bob realizes that their anniversary was that day. Sean, what's your anniversary? Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) Sometime, I think, in the spring. (laughs) That sounds right. Maybe it's maybe autumn. No, you you may remember flowers, but I think that's just because you guys had flowers there. Yeah, that's true. It could have been the winter. So it really could could have been any any time. I want to say <laughs> March ish, <laughs> maybe April or May. I you know, I don't know somewhere around. Well, there. Fort- fortunately, your wife doesn't listen either. In so. that general area. <laughs> so Bob apologizes, telling Linda, "I'm not good with dates. You know that." We then get a very small montage, very funny. We see Bob and Linda grinding meat in the basement, and Bob says, Today's your birthday? And we zoom out to see Linda wearing a birthday hat and a balloon. And then we see Bob and Linda in the basement again, and Bob is wearing decorative sunglasses and holding a bunch of balloons. He then says, Today's my birthday? (laughs) And then the next one has Bob asking, Your your due date was today? And she's holding a baby, still wearing her hospital gown. (laughs) Well, how'd it go? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then we fade back to present day where Linda is just completely fed up with Bob forgetting once again and she leaves. I have a question. At nine three. Nine is divisible by three. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we get a date reference of what date this starts. Well, it makes sense. September 3rd, which is right before Labor Day, so around Labor Day. Yep. So that makes makes sense there. Um, one question I had is why are they grinding meat in the basement? I, mean, I don't know. Wouldn't that be something you would do in a more sterile kitchen environment? It's kind of weird. I think just for the purpose of the plot to have them away from the family. But yeah. yes, I, I agree. I would not want any beef patty that was ground in a basement. Yeah, very bizarre. <laughs> it's, it's, it's gross. <laughs> so we now cut to Gene. He's now picking up and attempting to reassemble the tiny hamburgers that were spilled all over the ground. And he resumes offering them as free samples. He's then approached by Hugo Habercore, voiced here by Sam Cedar, along with Ron, played by Ron Lynch. And Hugo tells Gene that he cannot serve these soiled burgers. Gene asks, What are you, the dropping food on the ground police? And Hugo replies, Yes. And Gene says they have that? (laughs) And then Hugo introduces himself, explaining that he's the health inspector. And he describes himself as the burger joint's natural enemy. So Hugo and Ron now enter the restaurant, where only the kids are working. Louise welcomes them and points to the new burger of the day. Did you guys see what that was? Yeah, something to do with... The molester. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because I remember this is my favorite part of the show, when they pan to who ordered it. Yes, the burger of the day is the child molester, and it comes with candy. This was... Louise's new uh, invention. Louise then tells him that their parents are downstairs, and Hugo demands to see the kitchen. So back in the basement, Linda continues to reprimand Bob for forgetting their anniversary, and she tells him that it's easy to remember. And why is that? Nine, nine three. three. Nine is yeah. Nine is divisible by three. <laughs> <laughs> and now Bob's getting fed up. But Linda now becomes happy because she thinks Bob is acting this way because he doesn't want her to catch on to his special anniversary party for her. Back up in the kitchen, Hugo and Ron inspect the kitchen for health code violations. And Louise has Ron smell a carton of milk that she claims smells like strawberries. 
course, it was spoiled milk. <laughs> Tina asks if Hugo can take a look at her rash for her. And uh, Hugo explains that he's not that type of health <laughs> inspector. And he writes, Rashi Grill Cook in his notepad. <laughs> Just then, Gene now comes out of the bathroom asking if he has any toilet paper stuck to his buns. And just Hugo just yells, where are the grown-ups? So Bob finally comes upstairs where Hugo introduces himself, and Ron presents a huge list of violations. He says he filled his list in only five minutes in the kitchen. Bob says, that sounds bad. It's a record, Hugo snaps back, and the kids cheer. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. They're like, yay! <laughs> So Hugo also mentions that in addition to his list are child labor law violations, as well as public decency violations because of what Louise renamed the burger of the day. <laughs> and we see that a person has actually ordered that burger. I guess they're free and, candy too, so. Yes, that's right. And uh, the guy that ordered actually ordered the burger is kind of an unsavory looking character. <laughs> now Bob advises Gene to serve it, Instead of Louise, because Gene is heavy and he wouldn't be bothered. Which prompts a very rambling conversation among Bob and the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I was surprised going back and watching the first episode. There were a lot of risque jokes. I could see why, Sean, you thought that this might rival or even surpass Family Guy in that type of humor. But you'll see it's kind of like toned down. Episode, yeah. I'm not saying have your kids with you while you watch it. At this age, because, you know, there's an episode where Bob inadvertently smokes crack, or at least he thinks he does. Oh, yeah. He's not sure. <laughs> In fact, the only way that they got away with it by showing it on Fox is by not showing him directly, just after the fact, telling Linda that he's not sure if he did or not. So there's really no way of telling, but it's uh, just, there's some funny moments like that here. And at one point, Gene now spills some toothpicks on the ground for all of them to guess how many there are. And Tina guesses a hundred. <laughs> because the whole discussion is that she's autistic. Yeah, and I was surprised by that too. That seems a little uh yeah. on PC. Which really They follow it up with you're the worst kind of autistic. But not the good autistic, horrible. which I thought was hilarious. And Ugh. I can say this listen, having a child with autism, I can have the right to say this. So there, you can't you can't oh my god me there. Well, I was offended for you, Sean. No, it's it was very funny. Um, but I was surprised. You don't usually hear jokes like that. And I found out through the commentary track that this scene was mostly improvised. Yeah. So, and as Lily mentioned, they all kind of record together when they're able to. And this was just one of those times where they, they keep the mics rolling, let them talk and improvise scenes, and whatever comes out of their mouths comes out of their mouths. And that was one of them. I was surprised it actually made it onto, onto the air. Yeah. But, you know, comparing, and I don't know if you got the reference, Lily, with the toothpicks. Did you understand that, where that came from? There's other roots to it? Yes. It's, it's a it's a reference to the movie Rain Man, if you ever uh, saw that, with uh, Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, where Dustin Hoffman plays an autistic man. And his ability, the good autism, that they call it, would he, they drops, you know, a character dropped, I think, a toothpick some time in the, uh, in the show, in the movie. And Dustin Hoffman's autistic character is able to count them to the last toothpick by glancing at them. Yeah. Um, so that was the good autistic, and he, they end up using that skill to count cards in you know Vegas, I believe it was. So. Yeah, he was a genius with numbers and statistics yes. and things like that, but you know he struggled socially. Gotcha. That's what that was. Yeah. So finally, Hugo speaks up and explains to Bob that the real reason that they arrived in the restaurant in the first place was to investigate a rumor that they were serving burgers made from human remains from the crematorium next door. <laughs> and Bob knows immediately where the rumor came from, and then we get a cutaway scene where Louise is sharing that very rumor with her class at Show and Tell. Mm -hmm. So Hugo tells Bob that they're going to test the meat, and if there's any trace of human flesh above the 4% that's allowed by the FDA... The restaurant will be closed, and Bob will be going to jail. <laughs> 4%. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Linda then comes upstairs, thinking she's about to enter her surprise party, when she sees and recognizes Hugo. And so we learn that there's a history here. They used to be engaged. But Linda left Hugo for Bob 
who she described to him as the hotshot restaurateur. But Bob never knew about any of this. And there's a, a funny moment where Hugo remembers that it was their anniversary that day because nine is divisible by three. Not looking good for Bob at this point. No. No, not at all. Now, because it's Labor Day weekend and the lab is closed until Monday, which it probably should have been Tuesday, right? Because it's Labor Day weekend. They can't test Bob's beef. So, in the meantime, he puts a giant sign in the window that says, This premises is under investigation. Food may contain human flesh. And the symbol on the sign, did you guys see what this was? It's uh, the buns with a human body between the <laughs> <Yes>. buns. <laughs> with the and then there are people outside just screaming yes. at it. <laughs> Except for one curious elderly lady. Yes, everyone, uh, everyone reacts in horror. I try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, the show takes a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jim from Jim's Outlet, and I love pine cones. For years, I've been wandering the forest looking for only the finest pine cones before those squirrels can get their hands on them. I've been collecting them in my makeshift tent for the last 35 years. So believe me when I tell you that I know quality. This week, we're offering the finest Armani suits for only 850. Top brand wingtips for only 200. And we have a whole array of high quality French cuff shirts for as low as $75. I know what you're thinking. Wait, I thought this commercial was gonna be about pine cones. Hey dummy. What do you think I stuffed the pockets with? And we're back. Now, when we return here, we see Gene, still in his burger costume, and he's sitting on Bob's shoulders, and they're standing outside of the restaurant, and Bob is basically just using Gene to kind of block that big sign as he's trying to persuade passersby to come into the restaurant for a burger. And still, though, many people are still seeing the sign and screaming. It's very, very funny. I don't think I'd scream. I think I'd just briskly walk in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't understand the screaming. I mean... <laughs> it's a very scary thing. I don't know if the reaction you want to get is a scream, though. I mean, it's not that frightening, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's not that frightening. <laughs> maybe, if, maybe if you've eaten there before. That's true. Maybe. That's a good point. In the restaurant, Linda, in addition to fishing for some clues to her anniversary surprise asks Louise why she would spread such a rumor to her class. Louise tells her that Anita Vasquez showed the class the cape of her uncle, who was a matador in Spain, and she just had to up the ante. <laughs> I, miss, I missed awesome. that joke. I don't know how. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So she, uh, I guess the human flesh rumor was better than the matador's cape. To her. Of course, you know. More exciting. The kids tell Linda that because Hugo is still madly in love with her, she should, quote, Work it, woman, to convince him to take the sign down. The kids are always very, very funny in this. Oh, they're awesome. So we then cut to the storefronts of some other businesses, Shoe Complete Me, a shoe store, <laughs> and Falafel on a Waffle, which actually sounds pretty delicious, where Hugo and Ron are paying a visit. Hugo is curled up on one of the toilets crying when Linda gives him a call, much to his great joy. We quickly cut to a burger sizzling on the grill, and Bob is making one single order for Mort, the mortician who runs the crematorium next door. And he's a regular customer, but because of everything that's going on, he does not want to be seen. So Linda tells Bob that Hugo is coming over, and she thinks she can talk him out of keeping the restaurant closed for Labor Day weekend. Next door, Gene loudly knocks on the front doors of the crematorium, where the sign, None of your loved ones used as food, is posted. <laughs> <laughs> Mort, voiced here by the great comedian Andy Kindler, answers the door, shushing Gene, trying not to, to make a scene. We'll see throughout the series that Gene is the least discreet person. And back in the kitchen, Linda explains to Bob that she liked Hugo because, in addition to the fact that he did the dishes, he was a good kisser. Soft and not too moist. <laughs> this is a pretty gross scene. Bob kisses Linda it's to like, prove that yeah, saliva he's everywhere. better. Yeah, yeah. Saliva everywhere. It's so disgusting. Yuck. 
<laughs> so Linda tries to make small talk with Hugo at one of the tables, and Hugo begins to read her a sappy poem that he wrote. That was the best part of this episode for me, was that uh, that poem, especially with the music in the background. <laughs> inspector of health, inspector of pain. <laughs> so at the end of the poem now, Hugo offers to take her back and save her from her current life. Back at the crematorium, Mort's kind of just showing Gene around. He shows him a custom candy coffin with a giant bow. And it's the coffin of Mr. Caffrey, the late owner of the Caffrey Taffy Company. <laughs> and it's on a lift because it's being picked up that afternoon. And Mort leaves for condiments and tells Gene not to touch anything. But, of course, Gene immediately activates the lift. I don't know if these things really exist, but the casket is raised to the sidewalk level where it's bumped into by a boardwalk rollerblader. I've seen those kind of lists before. They do exist, um, mostly in cities, of course, where they have yeah. storage, you know, under in the basement of buildings. And that's how they get things into the basement. Is they have these these elevator systems that they okay. can get things in and out. So it's yeah, not totally. It's very feasible that he would have this the system to get caskets out. I guess. Well, unfortunately, the timing was awful, and the <laughs> it, like I said, it's bumped into by this boardwalk rollerblader, this guy in a pink speedo. <laughs> The Speedo guy, he appears many times in the series. I'm not sure if he's given a name yet, but he's quite regular uh, rollerblading around the boardwalk. And bumping it makes the casket roll right in front of Bob's Burgers, where Linda ecstatically leaves Hugo at the table, thinking her surprise anniversary present from Bob has now <laughs> arrived. <laughs> so Linda wheels the casket into the restaurant and opens it, Revealing the late Mr. Caffrey surrounded by pieces of taffy. I love the fact you pick up his arm and it stays there like Rigamore's set in. That's just really, uh, <laughs> it's me up. And that, this is one of my favorite lines of the show. Hugo takes out his cell phone and says, Hello, the media? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it cuts to commercial. And when we return, we see that Bob's Burgers is now at the center of a giant media circus. And people are shouting holding signs, and Channel 1 ha is there to cover it on the news. And did you guys notice some of these signs? Don't a... taste me, bro. Don't taste me, bro, yeah. Oh, don't taste me. <laughs> yeah. The the other ones were cook cheeseburgers, not me burgers. <laughs> Keep me out of meat, M-E. <laughs> then there was one that was just cannibalism with a line through it. Where's the beef? Which, I don't know, Lily, do you remember? <laughs> did you, uh... I've seen uh, one of those like silly TV shows they have now that goes over all the great things from decades. Okay. So I know the reference. It's <laughs> a very famous line by Clara Peller in the Wendy's commercial. <laughs> and the funniest one, don't put our sons between your buns. <laughs> oh my god. So Bob approaches Hugo's van, and while trying to strangle him, he notices that it contains a mobile lab, and they really didn't need to be closed all weekend. He was just kind of trying to keep them from being open. So after Bob helps him pull out of his tight parking spot, which was quite nice of him, <laughs> Hugo is able to make a getaway. <laughs> Bob then decides to address the crowd himself, and Linda goes out to join him, and he explains that they're being smeared by an unstable health inspector for personal reasons. And Bob makes his appeal to his neighbors, telling them how they've all known each other for years. Yeah, I like that Mort comes out and basically says that, you know, it makes a joke that he actually <laughs> was run out of town from the previous his previous business for having um, human meat, or human selling his meat to the restaurant, or telling his, <laughs> yes. telling his uh, customers <laughs> to restaurants. <laughs> and the crowd gasps. He's like, oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> And uh, oddly enough, though, when Mort does this, it turns the crowd to his side. They're all, like, starting to come around and realize, you know, that this whole thing is overblown. Then Bob begins his impassioned speech to the crowd, where he just rambles and rants about how more care is given to dead bodies than living ones. And people start to misinterpret this as now a defense of cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> and with some help from Louise, of course, being an instigator, the crowd begins to turn on Bob once again. And uh, in the midst of all this shouting and commotion, one lady decides to throw her Wonder Wharf snow globe at Bob's window. Which bounces off, and he thinks that it didn't break. Yeah. Which, why she would have that on her person to begin with is a little odd. 
She wouldn't be protesting a local restaurant if she didn't live there. That's true. That's very true. That's a good point. But as Sean said, they're all kind of relieved. It didn't seem to do anything. Yeah. But Gene then knocks on the window to get his dad's attention, and it completely cracks. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) We then see Hugo and Ron parked at Wonder Wharf in the health department van, and Ron asks Hugo if Bob was right, that they could have just maybe tested the meat on the spot. And there's even a rhyme to know what different test results mean. And did you guys catch what this rhyme was? Yeah, um, I forget exact phrasing. There are basically three options, I believe. Yes, if it's yellow, it's salmonella. <laughs> if it's chartreuse, it's a deuce. A deuce. <laughs> and if it's blue, it's your Aunt Sue. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was great. And Hugo gets very, very defensive. And he's basically saying that if Bob's not guilty of this, he's got to be guilty of some other violation. Yeah. And Ron says, stealing your woman. And then Hugo just cries in his arms. <laughs> so back at Bob's Burgers, Bob speaks to his reflection in the cracked window, calling himself a failure as the family looks on. And this was kind of a, a neat scene, animation-wise. Great job by the art department. If you notice, Bob's standing there looking at his reflection. And his reflection is positioned with his family in the reflection. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And it's like the family is missing him in this scene. And there he is, just only in reflection form, standing with them as he's pondering his life at this point. So Louise apologizes, and even though Tina suggests that her rash not itching and now smelling like bacon is a sign that the family will be okay, (laughs) Bob still thinks that Linda would have been better off with Hugo. And Linda tells him that, no, that's not the case, and they persuade him to join the family back inside the restaurant. After Gene unlocks the door. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> have to mess with them, just like in every situation. It, it can't be a, a kind, sentimental moment. Just gotta, gotta mess around with them. But just then, just when they think all is lost, a tour bus pulls up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And an elderly woman asks if they're still serving human flesh. And this is a, an adventurous eaters club, <laughs> and they ask for seating for 25 people. <laughs> So nasty. So Bob, though, seeing this opportunity, says uh, they might have some more human meat, but it'll be $50 a burger, and they're more than happy to pay it. So just as the adventurous eaters begin to file in and Bob is happy to see that everything's saved, Ron walks up with official documentation from Hugo stating that there was no human flesh in his burgers. <laughs> now, of course, Bob wants him to shut up and leave, and Ron politely just, does. He, he tries to keep on going, though. Like, oh, here's official leather. He, he really um, tries to press the point, and you can see the, the looks <laughs> of the uh, Adventure Ears Club as they come off the bus, and he's trying to shut them up, and it's just very funny. <laughs> Poor Ron, you know, just he's stuck with all these unstable people. He's trying to do what's right. Now Bob's telling him to leave, and he's just a, a very polite guy. So... That night, Bob and Linda celebrate their huge payday. They served all these burgers, I guess, under the false pretense that they were made of human flesh. (laughs) And they're riding the Ferris wheel at Wonder Wharf. And the Ferris wheel stops at the top, and Bob kisses Linda, bragging that he got some kissing tips online. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And then the kids are heckling them. Yeah, from the thing above. (laughs) Getting scarred for life up here! (laughs) And as Louise says that, we cut to the closing credits. And now for almost every episode of Bob's Burgers, it doesn't always change. I'm not sure how many times it changed in the first season, but almost every episode, the closing credits show the family working in the kitchen in front of a white background, and the family has different actions. And here we see the family working hard and preparing burgers as Gene in his burger suit just kind of walks across the screen. Yeah, They, They become more funny and more inventive and more thematic uh, later on in the in later seasons. Mm-hmm. And that ends the first episode of just a great show. Now, what were your thoughts now upon watching this? Well, going back and watching it again, um, I realized how much there actually was to it. Like I had mentioned before, uh, the first time you watch it, it's easy to miss the little jokes that are in there. Yeah. So to really get an appreciation of it, I enjoyed watching it for another time. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. I would definitely watch this series, and I will watch this series since it is on Netflix. I thought it was very funny. I really enjoyed the voice acting, especially. 
and the writing is obviously very good. Uh, so it's definitely on my Netflix list to watch list. And like I said, I was surprised by the animation. I had this preconceived notion for some reason that it was just going to be not very good animation for some reason until I actually saw it. And I was pleasantly surprised that it's actually very well done. So uh, definitely a winner. But again, you know, it's for a more mature, and again, I'm saying this seeing one episode and the different things we've seen in this episode, but definitely for a more mature children, not five-year-olds. You want to put your five-year-old in front of this, I don't think, but very yeah. good. Excellent. It's generally a TV PG show. There might be some TV 14 episodes, depending on what the theme of the episode is, but, you know, as with anything else, if you got younger children, you may want to wait till they're a little older. Even for the fact that they may not even get most of the jokes. Yeah, and when is this on Fox? What day and time? Sundays? Sun- Sunday nights on Fox. Part of that animation block. Yeah, I I was I was pretty much in the same boat as Lily. You know, I, I had seen this many times before, but these episodes are so densely packed with jokes. They They cram tons of jokes into the dialogue. In the background, there's so many things you might have missed the first time. And the, the animators put jokes in, so it's definitely one of those shows that's worth repeated viewings. And it's just so funny. And this first episode is hilarious, and it just keeps getting better. Every season is funnier than the last. Immediately became one of my favorites, and I just look forward to seeing every new episode. And there's very few television series that I can say that about these days. Mm-hmm. Alright, well that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, maybe some burger recipes of your own, whatever you got at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Sure. I'll go ahead and plug my YouTube channel, Lilliputian22. Uh, if you enjoy video games, check it out. I do some commentary, make some silly jokes, and I'm under the same handle on Twitter. Nope, I don't have any plugs this week. I'm on Twitter. My handle there is at MC and Friends. You can find me there. I'm also on Vine. My name there is MC and Friends as well. And I want to throw an extra plug out. Frank Forte, who works in the art department at Bob's Burgers. And he can be found on Twitter at Goon Cartoons. G-O-O-N Cartoons, all one word. And his animations can be found at YouTube.com slash Goon Cartoons. And he vines some stuff. That has to do with Bob's Burgers and working there, but a lot of it is his own stuff. That he does some uh, pretty cool animations, so definitely worth checking out. And his name on Vine is Frank Forte, so give him a follow. And uh, he he only has 825 followers. He deserves more than that. And like I said, he works at the art department at Bob's Burgers. He's one of those talented people that makes the show so great. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you too will get a shout-out on the show. And for some reason, Apple's algorithm, it, it helps that uh, when you subscribe to us and give us a five-star review, that bumps us up, I guess. It's good for our show, so anything you can do to help is much appreciated. You can even tap to rate us five stars right there on our iTunes page. It takes very minimal effort, it's just one click, and like I said, it's all appreciated. Well, we have been Lily, Sean, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Until next time.